Welcome back to the Evidence-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and this is episode 28, The Efficacy and Cost-Effectiveness of Nurse-Led Care Involving Education and Engagement of Patients and a Treat-to-Target Urate-Lowering Strategy Versus Usual Care for Gout, a Randomized Controlled Trial. This was published in The Lancet in 2018 by Doherty et al. Now, I decided to talk about this paper this week because it's kind of all over the news. The findings are relatively impressive, and this question of whether or not we should be treating to target and gout has been a relatively controversial one. This paper dives right into those thorny issues. For background, gout is common. It's one of the more common diseases that we see in clinic as rheumatologists. It's caused by sodium urate crystals depositing into joints, which we think occurs when people have an elevations of their uric acid level in their blood. Urate-lowering therapy, such as allopurinol and febucistat, have been associated with pretty impressive improvements in the number of flares of gout, creation of tophi, etc. In 2017, the American College of Physicians came out with their recommendations for how to treat gout. Controversially, in those recommendations, they said that a treat-to-target approach is not necessarily recommended. Instead, they favored a treat-to-symptoms approach. What do I mean by treat-to-target? Well, the standard teaching for physicians who are treating gout is that below a uric acid level in the serum of 6.8, the uric acid doesn't form crystal deposits. There's also good observational data to show that as the uric acid levels go down, there's a decreased risk of flares that seems to be proportional with a decrease in the uric acid levels. Consequently, rheumatologists have been treating patients with a goal of getting the uric acid level under 6. We figure this is a reasonable target from a pathophysiologic perspective and a reasonable target based on observational studies that showed that patients under that level had less flares. Now, the ACP went a different direction. They said that there is no evidence for a treat-to-target strategy. Perhaps the kinds of people who had lower uric acid levels were just people who were less likely to have gout flares. There's no causal relationship between treating to a target of under 6 and actually reducing the rate of flares. Instead, they advocated for what they called a treat-to-symptoms approach which is that you should increase allopurinol if patients keep having flares of gout. To a lot of internists, I think this sounds reasonable. There's no great evidence for this treat-to-target approach, and the ultimate goal is to reduce symptoms, so let's just treat to the symptoms. This made rheumatologists angry. For one, it's kind of arbitrary. I will grant them that there's no causal data showing that treating to target reduces flares or improves outcomes, but there's absolutely zero data that treating to symptoms is a reasonable approach at all. So what the ACP did is they took what was essentially an expert or consensus-based guideline with admittedly not phenomenal evidence, but some strong observational evidence to back it up, threw that out the window and said, let's just do this other thing. Another issue is that there are bad outcomes from gout. People can develop tophi and erosive disease. So it's not only the flares that we're worried about, Long-term deposition of uric acid crystals into a joint can destroy that joint. So treating to just improve symptoms in patients who are asymptomatic but still having worsening erosive disease is probably not a good strategy. For this reason, there's definitely been interest in the rheumatology community about demonstrating that treat-to-target works. Now, the authors of this paper had already done a study on a nurse-led intervention where they essentially gave the management of gout to nurses. This worked pretty well in the study that they did. And so they said, let's expand this and do a randomized controlled trial of our nurse-led team against usual care. As usual, the devil's in the details, so let's talk about what that means and what they found. On the bright side, this was a randomized controlled trial in 56 general practices. So a lot of different practices, and it's randomized, which I like. But it was non-blinded, which I don't like. 
and it all surrounded this Nottingham area of the UK. So it was kind of a single center study at the end of the day. Patients were eligible for the study if they had a diagnosis of gout and at least one flare in the last year. They were generally recruited from within general practice clinics, but then there was also this small advertisement they placed in a newspaper that I kind of wish they hadn't done because it just muddied the waters. Patients who met inclusion criteria and were enrolled in the study were randomized into one of two groups. Let's talk about the first group because this one's a doozy. So in the first group, patients were randomized into the nursing intervention group. This is essentially the treatment arm. Instead of seeing their general practice doctor for the management of their gout, they would see a trained research nurse. The The trained research nurse would then sell them on the project and then do what they called a holistic assessment of the patient's health. They would look into illness perceptions, give them full information on gout, including the natures, causes, associations, consequences, treatment options, then encourage them to share in decision-making. These are all great things. They also gave them an informational booklet. Then they did follow-up assessments frequently. In the trial, it didn't specify, but they said, as often as required by the nurse. Telephone contact could be substituted for face-to-face visits, and there was a rheumatologist backing up all the nurses if they had any questions. So it's a pretty comprehensive plan. What was that compared with as usual care? Basically none of those things. Patients just continued to see their general practice doctor. Already you can see the problem here. This wasn't a study on just a nurse intervention. This was a study on a package of interventions. Patients got education, they got frequent follow-up, they had a rheumatologist backing them up, and they had research nurses whose job was to do a really good job of managing gout. They kind of stacked the deck in favor of the intervention here. Colchicine as prophylaxis, or really any prophylaxis, was not required. We'll see what happens with that later on. The next problem with this study is the number of patients that were sent and the number of patients that were included. So 6,000 questionnaires were sent to patients on their GP registers. 2,800 questionnaires were returned. Of those, a little over 1,000 met criteria to be eligible for inclusion, and 500 were ultimately invited for an appointment. What's the problem with this? Well, if 6,800 questionnaires were sent out and only 500 patients were ultimately randomized, that means that less than 10% of patients wound up into this study. That kind of drop-off makes me really worry about selection bias. It's pretty easy to imagine that the only people who were sending back these questionnaires and were interested in getting into the study were the people who already expected a nursing intervention to work, or the people who were already dissatisfied by their primary care doctor. The primary outcome measure was the percentage of patients who had achieved serum urate less than six at two years. Not an ideal primary outcome measure. It's not a patient-centric outcome. And if you believe the ACP, it's not really an outcome we should be using at all. Secondary outcomes were better. Frequency of gout flares during years one and two, percentage of patients with TOFI, and the medium number of TOFI at two years. They also did a number of assessments, the SF36 and this gout index, that I think were helpful, and those were included as well. Statistical analysis was all more or less appropriate. Recruitment was a little slow, so they had to change their numbers a little bit. I don't think it's a big deal, but you never like to see that kind of thing. Analysis was done in intention to treat. They also did a cost-effectiveness analysis that I'm going to kind of ignore, sort of outside the purview of this podcast. So let's get to the results. Patients did not differ at baseline. It was your standard gout population. Middle-aged white men with a mean gout duration of 12 years, 11% had TOFI at baseline, and 40% were taking urate-lowering therapy at baseline. This is already kind of a problem. Only 40% were taking urate-lowering therapy. We can't tell for sure if they weren't being treated appropriately, but 
Only 40% of patients with gout who are having flares not getting urate therapy indicates that the usual care is probably not ideal already. Only 1 in 5 patients at baseline had a serum uric acid level less than 6. By 2 years, in the nurse-led group, that had gone up to 95%. Pretty impressive. So as far as lowering uric acid, the nurse-led intervention was very successful. In the usual care group, only 30% had met that goal. That is a telling difference. It means a number needed to treat of less than two to try and get one person to goal using this nurse-led intervention. Part of this was related to the nurses just using allopurinol. At baseline, 40% in both groups were on allopurinol. By two years, 96% in the nurse-led group were taking some form of urate therapy. That's compared to 56% in the usual care group. Now, at two years, flares had decreased pretty dramatically in the nurse-led group. They'd gone from 80%, having two or more flares a year, down to 8%. But in the usual care group, they'd gone from 80%, having two or more flares, to 24%. Even in the usual care group, there's a pretty dramatic improvement. At one year, there's kind of this interesting blurb, where patients having two or more flares had actually gone to 53% in the nurse-led group and 39% in the usual care group. So it looks like this nurse-led intervention of allopurinol had actually caused more flares at one year than the usual care group. Definitely don't want to see that. I think that gets back to what I said earlier, though, which is that they didn't give these patients prophylaxis. TOFI also decreased from 13% in the nurse-led group to 2.85%. Not bad. And in the usual care group, they went up. They went from 8.7% to 11.29%. That is not ideal. Unfortunately, that's not the only metric where usual care failed. The uric acid level in the usual care group didn't even change after two years. It went from 438 to 421. Regarding those patient assessments, the SF36 score, in the nurse-led group, it had improved, and it didn't in the usual care group. The gout impact score improved substantially in the nurse-led group. It also improved in the usual care group, but not by as much. So what are we to make of this study? The authors themselves conclude that community-based nurse-led care involving education and engagement of patients and a treat-to-target strategy for urate therapy achieved serum urate concentrations and improved patient-centric outcomes. Not bad. Let's talk about some caveats. I already mentioned this at the beginning, but there is a strong selection bias to this trial. If you're surveying almost 7,000 people and only 500 of them are winding up in the study, you wonder what made those 500 special. There are some good objective reasons for eliminating some of them because they didn't meet criteria, but I remain concerned that the kind of patients who went into this trial were either the kind of patients who were dissatisfied by their general doctor or the kind who were already predisposed to believe that a nursing intervention would give them more, better care and more frequent follow-up. The next thing is the generalizability of this. These weren't normal nurses. They were research nurses who had been trained extensively, who had all these booklets and information to give and who had a rheumatologist backing them up and undoubtedly giving them advice about how best to treat gout. Now, the authors make an interesting point, which is that the general doctors in this trial, even though they weren't given any support, they knew they were in a trial, so perhaps they tried harder than usual to do a good job. I buy that, but it didn't really seem to be the case. There was a small increase in the use of allopurinol, but aside from that, there's not a lot of evidence that they worked extra hard on the gout. I think the flip side of that is much more concerning. This research nursing team had already done one trial where they showed that they'd done a really good job. It's hard for me not to imagine that that's the most motivated, highly trained gout-treating nurse team on earth at this point. So yes, the GPs may have been more inclined to do a good job, but I think the nurses themselves were really inclined to do a good job. 
and it's not clear to me that you could generalize this to your clinics. This wasn't blind, so the patients themselves knew that they were in the normal group. I think that's concerning as well. And then finally, this trial doesn't really answer the question posed by the ACP. Should we be doing a treat-to-symptoms strategy instead of a treat-to-target? Well, the nursing group clearly got treat-to-target, and they clearly did a lot better. The GP group clearly did not do very well. But let's remember that a lot of them were still having flares and were still not getting allopurinol. You are definitely comparing treat-to-target in the nursing category, but you're comparing it to highly suboptimal care by general practice doctors. Patients who are having four or more flares, like a large number of this patient in this trial were having, usually go to a rheumatologist where they usually get much more aggressive care of their gout. To bring it all together, I don't think this trial necessarily answered the question of whether or not a nursing-led group could do better than usual care. The nursing-led group in this trial, in my opinion, was highly trained and probably not reflective of what this would look like in practice elsewhere, and the GPs really didn't treat gout very effectively. I also don't think this trial proved treat-to-target to be the better strategy. Treat-to-target certainly outperformed suboptimal management in this trial, but it's not clear to me that they answered the question posed by the ACP, which is whether or not a strategy of just treating to symptoms would be equally efficacious. That being said, in my practice, I essentially try to model what they did in the nursing intervention. I think it's very important to explain gout to patients. It's empowering, and when people are in a lot of pain, it's important to understand why you're suffering so much. It also increases their compliance with allopurinol, and it's good for patients to know that they're going to flare in the initial part of therapy. I always tell them they're in for a rough six months or so. Based on this trial, it might be a rough year, but the caveat there is that in this trial, they didn't do any prophylaxis, so little wonder that there was that many more flares in the nursing arm. I do check uric acid levels frequently. I just order standing labs for a uric acid and ask my patients to come back every month to have the labs drawn, and then I send them a message to tell them to increase their allopurinol if they're not a goal yet. Once they're a goal, I obviously space things out and keep a close eye on them to make sure that they're still taking their medicine and still driving the uric acid levels down, especially if they have TOFI and a way to try to dissolve some of that. I think in the end, this trial wins because it showed a very impressive result with the nursing leg group. I think this is a great idea for a number of conditions. Osteoarthritis, gout, and fibromyalgia are all incredibly common, and also things that I think a nursing leg group could probably do a better job on than physicians. They certainly did in this trial, and I hope to see more of this in the days to come. That's all for this week. Be sure to tune in next week when we discuss an interesting trial in carpal tunnel syndrome of the hand. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. 